Now, I think you would agree that probably the thing that excites us the most about Christmas and makes it such a special occasion is the anticipation that comes with it. There's the anticipation of this, you know, just getting ready for the the holidays and uh, the families getting together and the gifts and the food and so forth. It's it's like there's an excitement in the air as you try to anticipate uh, what's coming and get ready for it. If you can remember back to when you were a child, for some of us, you probably remember uh, how exciting it was uh, just the thought of getting the gifts. And you'd look at the gifts under the tree and you'd try to figure out what each one was. Now, we used to do that. I found out early on after Deborah and I got married, Deborah just opens them ahead of time when nobody's there and looks. And then she wraps them back up and pretends. So she did that as a teenager. She she did, did that as an adult, too. I could never surprise her with anything. But we had fun going through that whole experience. And no matter how you celebrate Christmas, what your traditions are or what you do, I think that it's always an exciting time. It's, there, there's a sense of anticipation. Now, back this past Thanksgiving, just a few weeks ago, uh, my daughter from Colorado and her family came down to visit with us. They uh, don't get to come down often. And they couldn't come at Christmas time, so they came during Thanksgiving. And so this is the daughter that has my two little girls, grand, uh, daughter, granddaughters, Maddie and Avery. And when they came in, Deb had already set the tree up. Now, we do this every year. We do it at Thanksgiving, so even before Thanksgiving, especially this, this year. But she had the tree up, had all the decorations up and Christmas music playing and so forth. And so Maddie and Avery came in and their eyes got big as they looked at the tree and they looked at all these presents that we had already bought them. So we went shopping and bought them presents and put them under the tree already wrapped up. So I get Maddie over there on my lap, and I'm telling her, I said, now look at all those presents. I said, do you know who the, whose presents those are? I said, those are for you and your sister. I said, every one of them are just for you and your sister. I said, well, now, can you imagine what's in those presents? And boy, her eyes get big. You know, she's, what, four years old, and uh, uh, she just was so excited. And so I said, now, what do you, which one do you think is, is your favorite? She'd point to a one of them be a red one, you know. She said, I, I, that one right there. I said, what do you think's in there? She said, I don't know. I said, well, imagine, because it could be anything that your mind can think of. What do you think it might be? She said, a doll. I said, it could be. I said, it could be a pony. She said, no, it's not a pony. She, you know, she knows better than that. I said, but you don't know, do you? I said, it could be anything that you can imagine. Anything that you can think of could be in that package, and you don't know the difference until you open it up. So we went through this game. You know, it's kind of torturous for children, but, you know, you get to choose one each and every day while you're here, and then on Thanksgiving we'll open up the rest of them, uh, whatever's left, but you get to choose one. I said, now, do you know what's in there? She said, no. I said, well, it's secrets. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, there are secrets in there. You don't know. I said, only I know. And you get to open them up a little bit at a time, and you get to find out what is the secret that's in that package and anything that you could think of. So each and every day we'd go through this ritual. You know, I'd say, it's time to open up a secret. And she'd run over. I said, you go get the one you want. Avery would go get the one they, she wanted. And they'd come back, and they'd open it up, and they'd play with it. And then sometimes I'd have to remind her. I'd say, it's the time to open up a secret. And so they would run over there and get the package and bring it back and open it up. Pretty soon, you know, we opened them all up and it was all over. 
I know when we were kids ourselves, my mother would do like that. She'd set up the tree on Thanksgiving or before Thanksgiving. We'd go through the entire Thanksgiving holidays. And then she'd go shopping whenever Dad got paid all through that month. And she'd buy a few gifts here and a few gifts there and bring them and put them under the tree. And every time new gifts showed up under the tree, we would always shake them. Have you ever shaken a gift to find out what's in it? Yeah. Um, And we'd shake it. We'd be so excited. We'd try to figure out what's in it. You see, it's the anticipation. It's the not knowing. And it's the imagination that in that gift could be anything in the world. It's not limited. I can imagine anything in in that package until it's opened. I don't know what it is. And so we dream, you see. There's a sense of wonder about this time of year and this, this ceremony and the, and the holiday that we go through because there's always that sense of, well, anything could happen because I don't know what's in those packages. Now, about 10 minutes after the last package is opened, what happens? We kind of sink into depression, don't we? You know, it's all over. There's no more anticipation. There's nothing to imagine. There's no more expectation. There's no mystery. There's no wonder. There's no hope. We don't have anything to look forward to because we've opened them all up and we know what's in them. And there's almost a letdown. And this is why I think people say that Christmas is one of those times of the year where it's not only one of the most exciting times of the year, but it's also one of the saddest. Because right after that, we get the letdown because the holiday is almost over. And the last gift is opened and nothing else is left to our imagination. And so we go back then to the uh, same old life and a way of dealing with things. And we have let go, if you will, or it's over behind us, that sense of wonder and expectation. Now what I want to do is for us now to compare this to our Christian experience. Compare that scenario with our Christian experience. Do you remember when you were first saved? Do you remember the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Now, for some of you, that was as a child, so maybe you don't remember. But let me ask you this. Do you remember when you first came to grips with what grace was all about? And you began to understand how much God loved you and how much God cared for you. Do you remember when you began to learn things about the Bible and about the relationship with the Lord that you have now and how much he loves you and all that he's done for you? Do you remember the sense of excitement? Do you remember when you began to think through what heaven was like and what it would be like to leave this world and go to the next and see the loved ones that have gone before you and see Jesus face to face? Do you remember there was almost a sense of anticipation? There was almost a sense of excitement. There was a sense of wonder. Because you knew that as long as God was on the throne, anything was possible. And it was almost like unopened gifts and blessings and things that God had promised and things that God would do for us that were not opened yet. And because they were not opened yet, they had not happened, that meant that anything could happen. Anything was possible. And there was the sense of anticipation I remember that excitement. Oh, man, when I, when I first began to understand the grace of God and what, what Jesus had done for me and what Christmas really was all about and, and what the importance of the resurrection and the atonement and all of these things, every day all of a sudden became a new possibility. Because, you see, I began to see prayers answered. 
I'd pray simple prayers like a, a, a newborn babe and, and God would move. I began to learn something new every day as I would read the Bible, as I would study, as I would listen to sermons on the TV or the radio. I would begin to learn things and I was getting so excited about the things that were coming true and things that were happening in my life. I was excited about coming to church. I'd never been excited about going to church before, but I was now. Because I wanted to learn something, and I looked forward to hearing what the preacher had to say. And I looked forward to teaching my little junior high boys class that I had gotten into at that time of my life. I was excited about teaching. I was excited about learning. I was excited about telling my friends at work. I worked as a draftsman in an engineering company, and I began to try to talk to my friends about faith and about heaven and about uh, Christ and what he had done. Some of them didn't want to hear it, but others did. And I began to, to become excited, excited about the possibility of one of them coming to Christ because of my testimony, because of what I said. And I remember how that felt. I remember the anticipation of thinking, boy, a miracle could happen. Anything could happen. Anything was possible. And I'll bet the same thing is true for you. I bet there was a time in your life, if you go back, when you were spiritually about as close to the Lord as you felt that you could possibly be. And you looked forward to, to the future with anticipation you looked forward to seeing the Lord one day. You looked forward to coming to church. You looked forward to being involved in things. Everything was new and fresh, and you were excited about it. And for us, that's the way it should be. But what happened? What happened to us? Well, what happened was very simple. Life began to crowd out the expectation and the wonder of what Jesus had done. You know, we get caught up in our problems, we get caught up in our needs, we get caught up in our responsibilities, and all of a sudden we find that we don't have time to wonder anymore. We don't have time to imagine what could be. We don't have time to think through all of the things that God has done for us. All we've got to do now is go to work, make a living, provide for the family, and go back and do it again each and every day until we die. And very rarely do we stop and we look and we think. We've gotten into the habit of seeing life as it is now and not as it could be. The way it could be if we only believed. See, we've lost our sense of wonder. We've lost that expectation. We've lost that sense of anticipating what, what's in that package. What's in that blessing that God has for me? What could God do in this situation if I just trust Him? If I would just seek Him more? And it's almost for some of us as though it's that period of ten minutes after the packages are all open and the depression that we go through, the sinking, the, the sadness, because the hope is gone. That's, and I don't understand how we as believers can sometimes live that way. We could live as though there's nothing to look forward to. We live in a life of, of sadness without looking forward to anything. You know, for us as believers, now think about this. For us as believers, every day should be like Christmas. Now, I'm not talking about the holiday. I'm talking about the anticipation. 
I'm talking about you getting up in the morning and thinking that, you know what, today God might do something miraculous in my life. Today, God may answer my prayer today. God may do something in my life today. God may pour out blessings today like I've never imagined. So you get up with an excitement and with an anticipation and you're looking forward to it. And it changes everything about that day for you. It changes the way you look at it. It changes the way you feel. It changes everything. But if you and I get up with the feeling that, you know what, all of that's behind us, that the packages have been opened, the blessings have been given, and there isn't anything else to look forward to, just dying, well, you know what, why wouldn't we be sad? How could we get excited about anything spiritual if that's the way we think? I believe that... Every one of us as believers need to look at each and every day as a new possibility because God is on the throne. And our salvation is something that sometimes we take for granted. So today what I want to do is I want to take just a few minutes and I want to look at a man, a man that you probably, some of you have never heard of in the Bible before, but this man was filled with, with expectation. He was filled with excitement. He was waiting on something. And he never gave up because each and every day he got up, he thought to himself, maybe today's the day. Maybe it happens today. Now, what was he looking at? What was he wanting? Well, it was, he was wanting and looking forward to and expecting to see the Messiah before he died. That was his prayer. That's what he had asked for. You see, it was a time in the history of Israel when Israel was waiting for Jesus. They didn't know who he was, but they knew what the prophets had said. They knew the prophets had predicted the time, and it was close, if not at hand. They were all anticipating it. The Holy Spirit had prepared the hearts of the people for him to come. And so they're waiting. And according to the Scriptures, there was one man in Jerusalem that was praying that before he died, and he was an old man, that God was showing. His name is Simeon, and it's found recorded in Luke chapter 2. And what I want to do for you is just take you through this for a minute and show you this is a man that looked forward to God doing something. He looked forward to it and the joy that it brought into his life. Now let me take you through, starting with verse 25 in Luke chapter 2. He says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. All right, you've got an old man living in Jerusalem. It says that he was a devout man, a righteous man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, I mean the comfort of Israel. He was waiting for God to do something. He had been praying for it. He, he knew the Messiah and his coming was near, and he'd been praying for this. And his prayer, obviously, was that, okay, Lord, I don't want to die. Please don't let me die. Let me see him. And the Lord promised him. He said, okay, okay. Because it says the Holy Spirit had already revealed it to him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So you see, this for him was the package. This was that unopened gift. 
that thing sitting out there that he had not seen, he had not opened, he didn't know what was in it, but he was praying that God would let it happen. And so with anticipation, he's looking to the future. In verse 27, he says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. Here's what happened. Jesus had been born. He's eight days old now. And according to the custom of the Old Testament, every male child eight days of age needs to be circumcised. They are bringing Jesus into the temple courts to go through the process, this ritual of circumcision. And the Spirit of God reveals to Simeon, go to the temple today. And you'll see him. And so he does. And he says that this is the time that uh, Joseph and Mary brought him in and the two meet. And in verse 28 it says that Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You know what that means? I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die because I have seen him. The package is opened. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles in the glory of your people Israel. Now, now don't miss this, okay? Most of the people in Israel who were looking for a Messiah were looking for a military leader to come and free them from Roman rule. Not this guy. You see, he knew something. He knew way more than a lot of other people did. He said, I have seen your salvation. I have seen the one that is going to bring in the Gentiles and the Jews together. It's going to be a blessing to both. He knew way more than most did because no self-respecting Jew would have ever acknowledged that the Messiah of Israel had, would have anything to do with the Gentiles, but he did. Look at verses 33 through 35. After all this happens, he says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now he's prophesying. He's prophesying to the parents and he's telling them what's going to happen. The, the Lord has revealed a great deal to this man. He said the, uh, the rising and the falling of many. Well, of course, he divided families. If one becomes a Christian, families are divided. He said he'll be spoken against. He said he will reveal the true intentions of the hearts of many. The Pharisees, he was always attacking their heart, what was inside of them, always. And then he turns to them and he said, you know what, there's going to be a sword that pierces your heart too, predicting his death. So here's this guy. He's praying to God that God would give him this request. It was anticipation every day he gets up and he says, is it today, Lord? Because God said, I'm going to do it for you. Is it today? 
And every day with anticipation, he went through his day with joy, with hope. Now, guys, listen to me, okay? Because you came in here today, and each one of us has come in here needing something from God. Each one of us has come in here wanting something from God. Maybe some things that you've prayed about, maybe some things that are going on in your life. For some of you, maybe you came in here today wanting or needing salvation. You just want to feel clean and forgiven. Maybe for some of you, you have been praying about something and what you are needing, what you're expecting, what you're anticipating from God is an answer to a prayer that you've been praying for some time. Maybe for someone else, what you need is to have a problem solved. You're going through a hard time right now and there's some things mounting up in your life and you don't have an answer for it and you need somebody to intervene and to solve the problem. And that's the way you've come in here today. Others of you just may may need to feel that God loves you because you really haven't felt that in a while. Others, because of healing, you come in here today and you're anticipating and hoping and praying that God would heal you. Others, because you've got job issues and job problems, you come in here with a heavy heart because of the problems you have. Others have family problems. Maybe a divorce, a marriage that's struggling, kids that are rebelling. All of these things. We come in here with all of our problems. And they're legitimate problems. And all of us, we have these problems. And all of us look at these problems and we focus on these problems. And because we don't see anything else, all we do is focus on that. It's like God says, don't you see the gifts out here? Do you not expect me to do anything for you? And most of us really don't. And so the question that all of us need to ask is this. Do you really expect God to do anything? Do you expect God to hear you, answer you, care about you, or have you just given up? I think sometimes we get into the habit of going through the motions, the rituals. And it causes us to lose sight of the reality of, of who we are and what God's done for us. You know, what if? What if we became more like children at Christmas time? What if we became more like Simeon? What if we began to look at life differently? What if we began to say to God each and every day we get up, Lord, what, what gets opened today? What new thing, what new event, what new blessing do I get today? And we began to look at life differently. Not as though the packages have already been opened, but that they're lying out there waiting for us. How would it change our lives? What if we waited each and every day with expectation on God to move? You see, somewhere I believe we lost the wonder. We lost the majesty of it, the magic of it maybe, of who God is and who we are. You know, I've talked to you at length about our identity in Christ and who God says that we are. There are many blessings I believe that God wants to pour out on us, individually and as a church. 
But a lot of the time we just get so caught up in life that we just don't think about it. We don't look at it. We don't believe it. We don't anticipate it. So here we are. Maybe we're in that condition. Maybe we're one of those people that have lost sight of who God is. We've lost sight of our relationship to Him. We've lost sight of what He can do and what He wants to do. And we're living, just existing as Christians. We're believers, but boy, we've lost the wonder of it all. We seem to have lost the sight of the majesty of it all. So what do we do? You know, what do we do? Well, I want to take you to a verse that, where Jesus is dealing with that very issue. And he's dealing with the church, and the verse is over in the book of Revelation. It's in Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, where he's talking to the church at Ephesus. And they're struggling. They're going through pretty much the same thing. Now, they were good people. He even, he even congratulates them and says, You're, you've done well in some of these things. But then in verse 4, he says this. He says, Yet I hold this against you. Now watch. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken the love you had at first. What does that mean? Well, they were good Christian people. They were doing things that were Christian, that were things we ought to all be doing. And he congratulates them on that. He says, but here's the problem. You lost your first love. There used to be a time when you loved me dearly and you trusted me and you looked to me and you anticipated with great expectation what I would do for you. And it changed the way you looked at life. But now it's just routine. Now you're going through the motions like a dead person. He said, I don't want that for you. I want every day to be like Christmas for you. I want you to look at the future. I want you to think about tomorrow with, okay, what can I do? What can I experience? What's God got for me? What could be in that box? What could be out there for me? Because God says, I want to bless you. I want to work in your life. I just need you to to trust me. So what's the answer? Well, he goes into the next verse in verse 5. He says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now he's talking to the church. He's going to do something to the church, but this is not talking about your salvation. He says there's three things you need to do. Number one, you need to consider what you've done. You need to consider the condition that you're in. In other words, you need to realize who you are and what has happened to you and where you are in life. In other words, don't keep pushing this off and saying, well, well, it's just the way it is. It's just the times. It's just the situation. It's just the COVID. What happened to you? You need to acknowledge, you know what? That's me. You need to acknowledge that. You need to consider what it is that has gone wrong. Somewhere along the line, you lost the wonder. Somewhere in your life, it just became 
second nature. You go through the motions. You play church. You do religious things. When was the last time we ever looked at tomorrow with anticipation? Waiting on God to do something miraculous and expecting it because God said he wants to do it. But then he says, after you consider that, you need to repent. Now, there's a word that has a whole lot of baggage with it, but let me tell you what it really means. The word repent in its simplest form means simply to change your mind about something. You're thinking this way, you're looking this way, you're heading this way, but you just change your mind. You say, wait, whoa, whoa, I was wrong. That's repentance. It involves you confessing to God that what you've done is wrong and committing yourself to do something different. So here you are, you're going through life and you're going through the motions and you've lost the wonder of this relationship with God and the majesty of it all and the anticipation of, of what we ought to be looking forward to each and every day. And you say, wait a minute, this is not the way God wants me to live. As a child of God, he wants and has more for me. There are packages out there I'm leaving unopened. There are blessings out there that are mine that I'm just not taking hold of. And so you repent. But you know what? He goes on now to the third step, and here's the one that really causes us the most problem because we think most often we just do that. You know, you just confess, you, you repent, you change your mind, say, hey, yeah, I blew it, and that's the end of it. But that's not what he says here because he says here, okay, here's what you have to do now. He said you have to do. You have to do something. Right there in the verse, it says, do the things you did at first. Do the things you did at first. Now think back with me again to when you were first excited about the Lord. Either your salvation or later on in life when you just came to, the light bulb came on for you, so to speak. And you were excited about this relationship. What did you do? Because he says, that's what gave you joy. What you did. Man. See, with me, I grew up in the church and I believed in Jesus. I just didn't understand a lot of it. And so I've often wondered, was I saved as a child? Probably. But when did I come to understand the grace of God? When did I under, really understand what he had done for me? Well, when I was about 20 or 21, the light bulb came on and I think, wow, this is what God did for me. And man, let me tell you something. My life changed. It really did. I began to be involved in every Bible study I could find. I began to pray all the time. I began to go to church more often. I began to do all these things. And I was so excited about Jesus. I really was. I can remember getting, hooking up with a guy that I got to know and was one of the, the mentors in my early years as a believer. And he and I would go to, we would find Bible studies going on in the community. And we went to one at a restaurant every week for a period of time that just a bunch of businessmen went to. So we found somebody we knew and we got into this and we just were part of the Bible study and loved it. When was the last time you got excited about a Bible study? When was the last time you got excited about coming to church? You see, when I was coming to church 
for really the first time in my life that I ever really did it on a regular basis, all of a sudden I began to become more excited. And I began to hear about other people and their problems and their struggles, and it strengthened me, and I began to see opportunities to minister, and it was great. I got involved. I'd never been really involved before, but I was now. Like I said, I taught that little junior high boys class. God love them, you know. (laughs) I practiced on those boys. But man, I grew like crazy. I began to see God do things in my life like it's just unreal. You see, you get involved and you start doing the things you did at the beginning. You start giving like you used to. You start studying like you used to. You start praying like you used to. You start going to church like you used to. You start ministering like you used to. And then all of a sudden, something begins to change inside. And then all of a sudden, joy begins to well up inside of you. And anticipation and enthusiasm about your faith. And you begin to see the gifts out there. You begin to see those unopened gifts and you wonder, what does God have for me for tomorrow? And like Simeon, God, give me this. And God says, okay. And every day he looked forward to it. You know, if nothing else, you look forward to what's going to happen when you leave this earth. You look forward to being with the Lord. You look forward to seeing the loved ones that have gone before you, the anticipation of it all. I hold here in my hand our communion cup, and I hope all of you have it. Let's think back to that night when Jesus was in the upper room with the disciples, and he said to them, he said, now you take this bread and pass it around, and they all broke off a piece, and they all ate some, and he said, you take it and you eat this. And you do it in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. Okay. He said, now, you take this cup and you drink this because this is my blood and the bread is my body and you do this in remembrance of me. Now, guys, listen to what I'm telling you, okay? Why did he institute or begin communion? Because he said, as often as you do this, So he meant for it to be ongoing. That's the reason we do it today. But why? Why? To remember. You understand that? To remember. Now why would he do that? Because God knew. You see, Jesus knew that you and I have a tendency as human beings just to see life as it is in front of us and to lose the wonder of what it can be in Jesus Christ. And he said, so you're going to forget, and it's going to become mundane to you, and you're going to not be excited about it anymore. So every so often, I want you to force yourself to sit still and listen, and I want you to think back. Remember what it used to be like. Remember what I did for you. Remember how I love you. You've lost sight of that. Remember how I want to use you because you've lost sight of that. Remember that I've got gifts 
blessings still on the table that you've never asked for because you lost sight of that. He says, so when you get together and you take this together and you think about my body that was broken for you and my blood that was shed for you and the atonement, my forgiveness and my love for you, I want you to remember I've got way more than that for you. And it all beca- it's all because of Calvary. What I want you to do is to peel back this little paper here and take the bread out of this. And we're going to partake together, just like he said. This is my body that is broken for you, and I want you to remember this. I want you to think back. But this time, don't just think back to Calvary. Think back to the way it used to be for you. When you first came to grips with this. When you first came to understand what it was all about. When you first put your faith in him. And let's praise him. And let's acknowledge him. And let's look to the future with anticipation because of it. Let's take together. That same night he took the cup and he passed it around to the disciples and he said to them, this is my blood which is shed for you. It'll pay for your sins. It is the atonement. I provide for you salvation and forgiveness through the blood of Christ. God said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, that's you, whosoever believes in him will not perish. You'll never go to hell, but you will have eternal life. Why? Because of the blood of the sacrifice. Let's partake together to remember that. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you, Father, we are humbled by the reality that, yeah, we have We have forgotten. Father, we have allowed things in life to creep into this relationship that we have with you and we've lost sight of it. And Father, it is our prayer now that you would help us to regain the reality of what you have done and the wonder that comes from that. The anticipation that we have at our disposal to look forward to what is and not to the mess that that what is here now, but what's coming. Father, I pray for each one of us that we would trust you with every fiber of our being, that, Father, we would once again discover our first love, and that, Father, like Simeon, we would be looking each and every day to the fulfillment of the blessings you've promised. And, Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.